All right, so that's all we have to say about that. What are some things that you don't hear of being practiced in society anymore? Just give me some feedback. Public prayer? Morals? Do people say thank you? Do you hear people say thank you? Occasionally, but not enough. All right. Anything else? Okay, yeah. Curtsy and bow. That's in England. All right. Do people give handshakes anymore? Or did COVID kill that? All right. So greet, greeting one another. All right. Uh, I saw a little meme on uh, social media this week. You know that the fourth monkey has been discovered. You know, there was hear nothing, see nothing, say nothing. And now it's totally nothing because it's the monkey is looking at their iPhone. Right. And so it's the sum total of all the others. And um, but as we come into Daniel chapter nine today, Daniel's prayer and the way that Daniel prays might be something. Now, I said might be because I don't want to be overly strict on this might be something that even as Christians, we don't practice. And definitely in society, sins have become diseases or phobias and, uh, or other things that uh, psychological issues, and they're not confessed anymore. As a matter of fact, some sins are even legalized and, and paraded as being wonderful. All right. So that's the day and the age in which we live. But in Daniel chapter 9, uh, we're going to see that uh, Daniel shows us how to pray and how to pray a prayer of confession. So we'd like to share that with you today as one of the model prayers of the Bible. And if you'll take five things home, how many? Five things home uh, and pray in these ways, then you'll be praying like Daniel and you'll be able to get a hold of the throne of God and see some answers to prayer. So Daniel has uh, been the series that we're in. It's this, the series title is called The Sovereignty of God is Our Security. Uh, we're secure as believers because God is sovereign. And we're going to see the sovereignty of God in Daniel chapter 9 and the fact that he takes the prerogative in answering prayer. Sovereign God chooses to answer prayer. Well, let's begin reading in verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years concerning which the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Verse 3, And I set my face unto the Lord God, to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made confessions and said, all right, we'll stop right there. All right, so five things uh, concerning uh, prayer that we can take home and we can put into practice in our own life. First of all, um, the idea here today is to pray like Daniel. And number one, like Daniel, our prayer is supposed to be in response to the Word of God or the Bible. The best way that you can pray is with an open Bible. To pray before, or to read the Bible before you pray. So remember, this section of Daniel is a transition. 
where it's written in Hebrew again, the Aramaic section addressed to the Gentiles has now come to a conclusion. The Hebrew section picks up again because Daniel is concerned about the Jewish people and what's going to happen to the Jewish people. Why are we captives in this strange land? Why, what, what happened to us that we're here? Well, D Daniel knows the answer for that. And uh, how much longer are we going to have to stay here? Now, that was a question that Daniel didn't know the answer until he was reading his Bible. Okay, let's take a time out for just a second. How many of you remember I've been telling you that if you take a liberal view of how the Old Testament was written, you believe that it was written during the Babylonian captivity or after? How many of you remember me telling you that? Right. So that's the view that's popular on the History Channel, the Sismonian. Uh, I was watching uh, something this week um, about the Tower of Babel and uh, how they said, oh, yes, it really existed. And so then they went through and explained that Nebuchadnezzar built it. Does that sound right? Yes. No. All right. And so then they explained why they believe that Nebuchadnezzar built it. And that was because... Uh, he was a king that uh, carried the Jews into his kingdom, and then they wrote the Old Testament during that time, and so it was fresh in their mind, and so they made up the story that the tower that Nebuchadnezzar was building actually took place before, okay? And so that's kind of that liberal perspective. Uh, here in this verse, we read that they're not doing that, all right? They're not writing the Old Testament and making it up. Uh, Daniel was reading his Old Testament Bible and he had a copy of the book of Jeremiah. And he found out that God had spoken to Jeremiah decades before and said, Jeremiah, I plan to accomplish 70 years upon Jerusalem and upon the people of Israel and I'll put them into captivity. Now remember, the 70 years... Daniel has been in captivity a long time. He was captured as a teenage boy, probably somewhere between 15 and 19. Now he's uh, getting close to his mid-80s, all right? So within a year or two, the Babylonian captivity could be over. And as Daniel is reading the book of Jeremiah, he begins to get excited because he's doing the math. And he realizes... Wow, we're just about at the end of the Babylonian captivity. What an exciting time period to live in. But then his, his mind and his heart and his question is, would be, well, what's next? And so as he's reading the scriptures and encountering, and by the way, uh, he's reading Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 1 through 14. All right, that's what this is referencing here in verses 1 and 2. And so... He's in his mid-90s. He's realizing the 70 years would be over. And uh, he's reading thoughtfully. He's reflecting upon what he's reading. Reading the Word of God reflectively will aid us in our prayer life. Because we'll have something to pray to God. As Daniel is going to have. Now, we're not going to go all the way through chapter 9 today. My, my typical approach has been to try to push a whole chapter on you. We're not going to do that today because the, 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 the 
last third of the chapter is very complicated and that needs its own time frame, its own message to do that. But Daniel gets a very exciting answer to prayer before he's even done praying. All right? But number one, like Daniel, our prayer or our prayers should be in response to the word of God. So Daniel is reading Jeremiah 21, 25 verses 1 through 14. He realized that the 70 years of captivity were about to close. And so it was a very exciting time period to, to be alive. And so he understood the prophecies um, that there would be about two years left. And so Daniel had his uh, Bible open for study that day. All right. So, you know, when it comes to Bible reading, there's, there's different layers to Bible reading, right? There's just reading the Bible. There's memorizing the Bible. There's meditating upon the Bible. There's studying the Bible. And is this a practice of Christianity today? Or do we drive down the road and listen to audio Bible, but yet we're distracted by all the traffic and all of that? Do we just kind of tuck God into a nice little time period between 7.59 and 8.06? You know, we can listen to him. Now, listen, I, I put myself in that category, all right? But it, I try to be disciplined and, and listen to the Word of God each day, but to listen reflectively, to interact with what I'm hearing. And, and so you can read the Bible as well, and when you read it, interact with it. And that's what Daniel's doing. He, he's thinking about what he's reading, and he realizes, wow, this is coming to an end. Perhaps I should then take what I've learned in my Bible reading and go to God in prayer about this. And so Daniel is concerned and his heart and his passion is for the Jewish people. So he takes it then in verse 3 to God in prayer. But now this isn't any kind of prayer. All right. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications. All right. We, we can do that too. Right. But do we usually add fasting and sackcloth and ashes? All right, so this is fervent prayer. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that you should go to your fireplace and get a handful of ashes and rub them all over your face, all right? Um, I'm not promoting that, and I'm not saying that you have to skip meals. All I'm trying to tell you is that Daniel was fervent in his prayer life. And this is how the Jewish people symbolized when they were being fervent in prayer. Now, fasting today could be fasting from social media, right? Could be fasting from food, could be fasting from a hobby, right? There, there's different things that we can give to God to spend more time with him. Now, fasting is something that Christians usually don't practice. There's been very few days in my, in my Christian experience where I've fasted. Probably count them on one hand. But we do need to fast occasionally, especially when we're seeking the Lord for something. And you're not trying to gain his favor. You're just showing him that you're dedicated to him through fasting. That's what fasting is. All right? You're not trying to, to get God to become the cosmic bellboy and to, you know, come running when you ring the bell of prayer, right? That fasting doesn't guarantee an answer to prayer. It's just showing God that you are fervent in prayer. So this isn't just any kind of prayer, 
but it is a fervent prayer. I remember as a child growing up in a church that would have seasons of fervent prayer. Fervency in prayer. So Daniel is very fervent in prayer. And so we really see God's sovereignty here by the way that he addresses God. He calls him Lord God. Uh, he calls him Adonai, which means owner, ruler, or sovereign. Think about when we talk to God and we, we say, Lord, thank you for this day. Sovereign, owner, master. So occasionally, switch up those words in your prayer and say, Master, we come to you today. I come to you today. Owner, I come to you today. And switch that up. So Daniel is addressing him as a sovereign Lord. Yahweh, the owner, ruler of the universe. And so he... Daniel recognizes that God as sovereign can direct the course of life, can direct the course of a nation, that he has the power to direct national and international events. So Daniel addresses him this way. And so it is a fervency in prayer. Now, Jewish people, and remember Daniel's custom, um, that he was thrown into the lion's den, was that he prayed three times a day, and they knew that about his character, and so those princes and nobles, they signed that law to make sure that he would get into trouble because they knew that he would go to his house and pray. So moving beyond fervency is prayer a discipline or a practice of our life, like it is of Daniel. Uh, the Lord would pray. So there were regular times of prayer. Uh, as Christians, we're to pray without ceasing. Take every opportunity to pray. So it is okay to pray in the car, right? And I'm not saying don't do that. Uh, so pray without ceasing. Praise and thank the Lord. Um, yesterday, uh, my oldest son... And I, we went over to Andrew Moeller State Park and uh, we just wanted to hike. And so we're like, okay, let's go down to the beach. And then we just started hiking and we came across a section that was just uh, where the ocean was beating directly into the cliff. And it was just a jumble of rocks. I mean, just everywhere, all right, round and unsettled and just kind of very treacherous. And um, as I got into that complicated stepping all right. This week will be the fourth anniversary of my stroke that I had. And I remember one year after the stroke, I went way north up to Prairie Creek State Park and on a, a beach that was similar. And I remember being terrified that I would fall and trip on those rocks and bust my head, right? And be airlifted out of there. And as I was just skipping across the rocks yesterday, I was like, I need to be thankful. God, thank you. This is awesome that I'm out doing this and I'm not having any problems with this. Now, I mean, I was being careful, all right? I wasn't exactly like a gazelle or anything, more like a beach whale, all right? Going across there. But nonetheless, I was taking time throughout the day as I was hiking to communicate with God, to thank Him, to stand in awe 
of his power. So, I mean, it was great. We were hiking south, and we were being pushed, and man, our, our pace was fast. We turned around to head back and going north, and the winds were probably 30 to 40 miles an hour, and the sand was uh, drying instantly and blowing in our faces and lifted my hat, and my hat went flying. My son's like, you'll never get that back. And I'm like, oh, yes, I will. You know, he's thinking it's going to be, you know, in the ocean. But uh, we just had a wonderful time. So the discipline of prayer, but pray without ceasing. Take every moment, every opportunity to pray. So fasting here demonstrated the prophet's deep concern to God, uh, being in sackcloth, coarse, rough clothing, and sitting in ashes were experiences of humility that commonly were accompanied uh, fasting. So we see many saints in the Old Testament uh, practicing all three of these things in a season of fervent prayer. But what does James tell us? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man might get an answer? Uh, what did it what? It availeth much. So if we pray like Daniel, we'll pray in response to the word and we'll pray with a sense of Fervency. All right, very good. Let's move on. Let's go down to verse 4. All right. Uh, like Daniel, our prayer is to be characterized by a, all right, here we go, uh, self-denial. Looking at verse 4. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made supplication and said, O Lord, the great and awesome God, keeping covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity, and have done wickedly, and rebelled, even by departing from thy precepts, and from thine ordinances. All right, so do we know the Lord's Prayer? How does that start? Our Father, hallowed be thy name. So Daniel started his prayer by concentrating upon the character of God. When you pray, Start out by concentrating upon the character of God. Not that God needs to be reminded. All right? You need to be reminded. And you're refreshing your memory about who God is and what God is like. And so he, he starts out here, and he, he calls him um, a faithful God, keeping covenant and showing mercy uh, has said loving kindness uh, to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. And so he once again addresses him as Adonai, master, okay, sovereign, Lord, owner. And then he, he makes confession, but before he starts out in his confession, great and awesome God. As I was standing there uh, at the beach yesterday, feeling the power of creation, those winds coming in off the waves, the waves crashing, uh, having fun, right? In some places we had to go around rocks that were uh, partially submerged, you know, like two to three feet, and so we were darting and timing the waves, and uh, dangerous, but having fun nonetheless. But I realized this is powerful. This is very powerful. 
just standing there and feeling the ocean waves come up to your ankles and feeling yourself sink in the sand. All right. And then the, the winds must have been, you know, in advance of the, the frontal system that was coming through because they were very powerful. Um, and just to experience the wind and the sound of the ocean. And then the previous night, as we were at, at uh, Pfeiffer State Park and looking out at the stars and seeing the, the foggy band of the Milky Way and noticing the, the majesty of God and just being in awe of who God is. I mean, God got it right the first time. He didn't have to do a software update to the stars. Okay? He got it right the first time. His infinite wisdom has hung the billions of galaxies in space. And now our new telescopes are sending us back pictures of God's creative power. Be lost in the wonder of it all. And then talking or being talked to by my son who's a nurse and explaining scientific and medical stuff to me that he sees, kind of like, Okay, going camping with a nurse is a different experience, all right? But uh, he was explaining things that were intricate in the details of the human body and the injuries and how they recover and how they heal. It got me thinking, man, the human body is a marvel of engineering and, and of healing. This, this is incredible. And that God has given wisdom to people to bring that healing it's just phenomenal. And so the awesome, the powerful God, he's faithful God. So now it brings it down to just not the transcendent level, but the incarnate level. No wonder why David would cry out, what is man that thou art mindful of him? David in response cried out, Lord, I'm a worm. You know what he's saying? I'm lower than dirt, God. All right. And the humility of understanding the greatness of God. Now he comes into verse 5. All right. And um, this is just amazing. So Daniel humbles himself and begins to say, look, we have sinned. We have committed iniquity, which is moral failure. We have acted wickedly. We have rebelled. You know, rebellion is not just a teenage thing. Rebellion is bound up in the heart of a human being from the time they're born. All right? And uh, many times, children just model the rebellion of their parents. That's where they learn it from. All right? And so, let's not be rebels, because here Daniel is saying, God, we were rebels. We have departed from thy precepts, and from thy ordinances. In other words, we've disobeyed the word of God. Verse 6, Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, who spoke in the name to our kings and our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. God, you were kind enough to send us preachers. But we plugged our ears. Not going to listen. Right? We shut off our heart. We disconnected the circuitry that goes from the ears to the heart. God, we didn't want to listen. So he begins to confess all of the sins 
um, that they have committed against the Lord. Judgment needs to begin at the house of God. And when we confess our own sins before we look at the sins of others. And so we need to confess this. Then he says, O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee. Uh, we were learning today that God is a faithful God, that he has power to do, this was in children's Sunday school, to do what he said he was going to do, to bring about his promises. That's what makes God righteous and faithful. God always does what is righteous and right. Righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as it is this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that, that are near, and those that are far off throughout all the countries to which thou hast driven them because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. God put up the no trespassing sign. The Israelites were like, what? We're going to go, and they trespass against God. And we do too. And um, so, verse 8, O Lord, to us belongs confusion of faces, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. Um, so, now beginning in verse 5, and this might be a little uncomfortable for you. And so let's just bring this out. Like Daniel... We are to unselfishly identify with our nation. Identify with our state. The things that you're sitting there as a Bible-believing conservative Christian, and you look at in society and you say that's sin and that's wrong and all the immorality, own it. Daniel owned it. Yeah, Daniel may not have practiced those things, but he owned it. Folks, I remember years ago I had an evangelist come through, and uh, this was during uh, President Obama's election, and he stood up uh, in an evangelistic meeting, and he said, That man is not my president! Folks, that's just flat out wrong. We're supposed to pray for all that are in authority. We're to respect authorities. We might have a legitimate reason to disagree with them and to have differing viewpoints. I mean, that's our right as Americans. But that doesn't give us the right to be disrespectful to authorities. And so Daniel is saying, look, I'm owning my identity with my people. I'm in this together with them. This is our state. This is our nation. We've got some very important things on the ballot in November. Proposition 1, I think, is abhorrent to God that we're contemplating up to the moment of birth that we can abort children, partial birth abortion. You want to have a conversation at what is an appropriate place to do that? Okay, that's good. But I think it's abortion. Uh, up, up to that point, it's just abhorrent to God. It's just wrong. But we're going to identify with that if we live in California. We need to own that. We need to pray, folks. We need to pray for the hearts of Californians. And by the way, the, the surveys say, and what are surveys worth? I don't know. All right. But they say most Californians don't agree with that. So I hope that's true. 
We just can't think humanly. We have to think biblically. We have to have a world view. Um, it was very interesting the other day. I forget which group put it out, but they uh, surveyed 1,000 evangelical pastors and found out that only 37% of them, of the pastors, had a biblical worldview. That means we're God is sovereign and controls things, and we're to be submissive to Him and to think biblically about things. So I don't know what their criteria was and how they determined that, but that was the number that they came up with. Folks, we're in a desperate situation if only 37% of pastors think biblically. Okay? That, that, that's terrible. And so we have to own this. And so all of the things that, that we're trying to stand up and say that's wrong, well, you need to own it. That's us. And that's what Daniel does here, uh, beginning in verse 5. He, he confesses and he identifies with this sin. And so he's really confessing um, and identifying with the nation. And he's saying, yes, we're responsible. Uh, what the problem is right now that we're having as a nation, we're in confusion of, of face. It means uh, we're, we're having difficulties and troubles that we can't fix. And we're walking around with this perplexed look like, what do we do? Well, Daniel started with prayer. What do we do as a nation? How do we begin to fix the problems we have? Start with prayer. All right. So he identified unselfishly with his people. Um, now, they knew that all of this would happen to them if they disobeyed God. Look at verse 13. As it is written in the law of what? Moses. All this evil has come upon us, um, yet we made not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we even might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. So the word of God was the authority for this situation. And Daniel is saying, look, now Moses, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote the blessings and the curses and what God would do to us, depending on which way we went. That's why Joshua in Joshua 24, 15 said, Choose ye this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of the Egyptians or the Amorites or the Lord your God. But draw a line in the sand and make a choice. Who are you going to serve? And then we talked about what idolatry looked like. All right? Idolatry looks like this. Anything that becomes more important then God is an idol. Any thought, any activity, any hobby. Um, look, anything that is, keeps you out of church, when God says, come, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, together as the manner of some is, and if it's consistently keeping you out of church, then that's an idol. But God wrote it down in advance through Moses and said, Israel, you have a choice. These will be the blessings. These will be the curses. If you disobey me, you're going to inherit the curses. If you honor and serve me, you made your choice, then you'll inherit the blessings. Do you remember that? Standing at Mount Gerizim and Ebal, the, the mountains of blessing and cursing. And so it was predictive history. And so they knew this, but it was according to Scripture. You know what? One of the dangers for our country is today is that the Bible is ridiculed, made fun of, 
It's not even owned. Our people are not even reading Scripture anymore. So give away little New Testaments. Give away copies of the Bible. And you'll find out that people are spiritually interested, but maybe not necessarily for Christianity, but get them, introduce them to Jesus. Show them where to read the Gospel of John. But get them reading the Word of God because the consequences and the blessings are recorded in the Word. So Daniel identified unselfishly with the people of God. Now, uh, here's the last one, all right? Like Daniel, our prayer is strengthened by confession. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he will be faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word confess is a compound word, which just means to say the same thing God says. So, put it in the vernacular, it's ratting on yourself to God who already knows. Okay? God already knows what you've committed. You need to acknowledge that to Him and to confess your sins. And so, in verse 16, he says, O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thy anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem, and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now, therefore, O God, our God, hear the prayer of thine servant, his supplication, and cause thy face to shine upon the sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. Now, hey, praise the Lord in America today. There still are people going into the, the meeting houses. Amen? I mean, come on, you're here today, so let's be thankful for that. But if you go into Germany, the Lutheran churches are decommissioning their buildings. They, they go in, they have a whole ceremony, they blow out the candle, and you can buy the German church buildings online. They'll ship it overseas to you if you have the right amount of money, but they're desperate to sell them. They cannot heat those buildings. Their church buildings are empty. They, they can't afford to heat them during the, the long northern European winters. The churches are so small that they're just abandoning their buildings. Well, this is what had happened in Jerusalem. The, the meeting house of God had been torn down. It was a desolation. And it was an embarrassment to Daniel that God was not being worshipped there. But he's asking something very specific here. So notice with me at the end of verse 17, what's the phrase? For the Lord's sake. All right. Why does God forgive you of your sin? You know, I'll be honest and transparent with you. I used to confess my sin so my conscience could be clear. Then I heard a good message preached one day that exposed to me that that's not sufficient motivation for confessing sin. What's the motivation at the end of verse 17? His namesake, His glory. God's glory is the motivation. 
That's why God will forgive sin. Totally different perspective from a human-centered perspective. Uh, living for the glory of God. And so, for thy name's sake, God, please forgive our sins. And one of the things that I learned in a previous ministry in helping the addicted is that lasting change that will actually see an addict change and last is when they change for the glory of God. Now, Pastor Jim Berg uh, used to be the dean of students at BJ. He, he's written an addiction recovery program, but that was one of the things that he always emphasized. You need to stop your addiction for the glory of God. You need to confess your sins for the glory of God, for thy name's sake. So verse 18, O my God, incline thy ear and hear, open thine eyes and behold our desolation in the city which is called by thy name, God's name. For we do not uh, present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. Okay, let me just be transparent and help some of the new Christians, okay? Some of you get embarrassed when you pray in front of another Christian who's been saved a while. And you say, oh, I just don't know the right words to say. I, I don't pray like you, okay? That's not wise. Don't compare yourself to other people. It's not why God is answering their prayer. They've not learned to be so eloquent and God is answering eloquent prayer, might be just vain repetition for all you know, okay? So God answers prayer for his own sake, verse 19. For his own sake. And for thy name, for we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness. There's not someone in this building or in this church that's so good at prayer that God has to answer their prayer. Pastor doesn't pray like that. You don't pray like that. Okay? God is just merciful for thy great mercies. God loves to answer prayer. Ask and ye shall seek and ye knock and it for everyone who asks receives and to him that seeks he will find and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So God is a covenant-keeping God. He's made a promise to you and to me that when we pray, He will answer. But it's because of His mercy and for His glory that God hears prayer, not because we're really good at praying. All right? And so all of this, and for thy city and thy people who are called by thy name. Hey, listen. We bear the name Christians. And you know, in American society, I think Christians could use some help because the world looks at that and thinks Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. Okay? Now, God hears prayer. God hears confession. So Daniel confesses and then he petitions God. And so he, he's really praying for God's glory, okay? Um, praying for the city, praying for the people, 
praying for the nation. They are called by thy name. So it's all for God's glory. In verse 20, then I'll just show you this. And why I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin uh, and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, uh, when I had seen in the visions at the beginning, we shared those two with you already, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. He wasn't even, he didn't even say amen, and he got the answer to prayer. What did Jesus teach us? Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things even before you ask. So why ask? Because God wants you to acknowledge your dependence and his faithfulness and to give him the glory. So five things. Let's just go backwards here. Uh, number one, our prayer is strengthened by confession. All right. Um, number two, identify unselfishly with our, our nation. Number three, to be characterized by self-denial. Um, number four, our prayer is to be characterized by fervency. And then number five, in response to the word of God. So, can you go home today and pray like Daniel? If you're not a Christian, we invite you to become one. And it's very simple. My daughter was uh, in Michigan, was sharing the gospel with a friend uh, this last week, and uh, she just texted, Dad, I just shared ABC with her. He said, what's ABC? Admit that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved, and then call upon his name to be saved. And uh, now I don't think that classmate has come to know Christ yet, but at least they've heard the gospel. Amen. And so today, if you're not a Christian, it's ABC. Admit you're a sinner, that you cannot save yourself. Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for the sins. And then see, call upon him in faith, asking him to be your Lord and Savior. Let's close in prayer.